Hello and welcome to the Emperor's New Podcast, where we explore every corner of the Emperor's New Groove franchise. I'm your host, Micah Hirsch, and today I'm once again joined by Scott Sandler. Nice one, Micah. Sandler DeRochet. Yzma, Yzma, Yzma. And Dave Ganzel. I'm here too. <laughs> and today we will be talking about an episode that is very significant in the Disney television animation universe. Surprisingly um, so. Yeah. The Emperor's New School Season 2, Episode 1. Um, the Emperor's New Tuber slash Room for Improvement. And AKA the one with Kronk for Hire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But before we get to that, we should probably talk about the first segment. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is actually significant because the first one has a guest, exp- a guest appearance by a character whose name escapes me at the moment. Yada. But is played by what, what was her name? Yada. Yada, yes. Yada, who is played by Miley Cyrus, well, doing the full just hillbilly voice, basically. I, like I, I had mm-hmm. canon that she's related to the waitress from the movie because they have a, they look so, like they could be related. <laughs> That's well, possible, also, yeah. it could easily be a family. It could easily be a family business. And all her, because the waitress is in the movie's name is Mata. So yeah. Um. Yes, and Noah Cyrus is also in the episode. She plays the little boy in the flashback. <laughs> oh, okay. Because why uh, not, right? Yeah, um, it's a it's a Cyrus family affair. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing, of course, this episode immediately starts out, because of course this whole show is like this, but the episode starts out with um, um, Kronk just kind of facing around the lab, and then Yzma's like, okay, we need some new scheme to try to, um, to try to destroy Cusco. He's like, what about a potion? And Yzma's like, nah, too last season, too predictable, and it's, it's, it's not reliable anyway. Yeah. And so they just, um, they have it upon this, um, this Hall of um, Evil Machinery. The Hall mm-hmm. of Evil Machinery that is um, that has apparently always been there. <laughs> with, with, a, with a movie marquee. Yeah. Yes. Excuse me. Yeah. It, was, it was honestly... Uh, I know part of the reason we're here we'll get to is because of a Phineas and Ferb connection in the second segment. But the first segment felt very much like a Phineas and Ferb prototype with... Uh, oh, yeah. With a uh, tangentially related evil villain trying to do something that the main characters are completely unaware of, but they end up affecting each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of proto Phineas and Ferb type things in the show, I think. And also with the gross here, I'm like, uh, uh, the, when the, the fair with the watermelons and Candace grown at 50 feet. Yeah. Yeah. There's also an episode of the show where Cusco, in, in the first season, where Cusco uh, believes fortune cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which they also, they redid at like a third time in Star vs. the Forces of Evil, I think. That yeah. plot. Um, so the basic premise is there's a potato growing contest and Molina wants to enter it because she's really competitive, but she's having trouble. And meanwhile, Yzma... Um, is trying to figure out a new plan to use one of the evil machines to destroy Cusco. And at first, she decides that she's going to use a combination of a time machine, an evil time machine. Uh, shoot, I forget one of them. I know the last invisibility one. Invisibility ray. An invisibility ray, ray and an evil MP3 player, and she com- which is evil specifically because it only plays disco. Um, 
And then... Or, well, in more modern writing, they would probably say the, the evil is capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, I don't think it, I don't think Disney would approve of them saying that. <laughs> no, <laughs> true. But then at the at, but then it um, because they're all combined, it turns invisible and plays the music, and then it goes back in time while turning invisible. So it, she, she can't do anything with it. Um, so then she decides she's going to animate uh, basically their version of the Statue of Liberty to destroy Cusco. Um, meanwhile, Cusco. Uh, is trying to get Molina to cheat by using a growth potion that he got uh, from a from a secret lab sale. Um, at first, she doesn't want to, but then eventually she gets she breaks and starts using it. Um, I like how the joke at the beginning, where they're kind of like, "Ah, we don't need to do potions; we can do something else," kind of ends up leading into Cusco having that potion. I think that was a really clever thing. It, yeah, I didn't even you know, think. Of- yeah. It really is kind of proto Phineas and Ferb. And on that note, I actually noticed in the credits that um, Scott Peterson worked on both halves of this mm-hmm. episode. I think he mm-hmm. worked, he wrote a lot. Of, he worked on a lot of episodes of the Emperor's New School, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it said he, he was a story editor. I think he might have been, yeah. which is a, a a pretty high up position in a writer's room. Yeah. Um. So and Mr. Mal- Malaguaca. The, the suck-up had even nicknamed his, uh, his uh, potato plant Cusco well, 2, and I was uh, like, yeah. are we sure it's not an alien? I mean... <laughs> and so, yeah, there's this whole... I should probably be looking at my notes. It would probably be a lot easier to... Cusco um... 2, the evil giant plant from Little Shop of Scary Beyond All Reason. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, Yzma's talking about how ironic it will be that Cusco's going to be destroyed by a statue of himself, and Kronk's like, that's not really irony. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it amuses me that, that Kronk <laughs> is the one, the one who understands irony. Yeah. It's very much, it, it's both, you know, a follow-up to, uh, to the cruel irony line from the movie, and also very reminiscent of... Uh, from the first of many series finales of Futurama, when uh, Bender is correcting everybody on the definition of ironic. Which is, it's, which, yeah, it's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is, so, one of the people, the other contestant said the potato growing contest is a potato man. Mm-hmm. Just like a man that looks like a potato. And his pota- he dressed up his potato to look like him. So they're identical. Um, and Mr. Malaguaco, who's the teacher, um, played by Curtis Armstrong, is judging the contest. And he Molina's potato has grown really huge. So he's suspicious of it. And Cusco... Which is weird, because they could have... Uh, I mean, okay, it's not that weird. Obviously, they had the model lying around, so they might as well use him. <laughs> but they didn't really need the school teacher to be judging this contest. I think it was the only way they had to actually connect this episode to the school premise of the series. Because yeah. uh, neither of the segments in this episode really deal with the fact that Cusco is going to school. Yeah, there's a lot in this. The, honestly, the ones that don't deal with Cusco going to school are the better episodes, in my opinion. Yeah, they really are. Um, 
I mean, it, it, it seems like they quickly realized, oh, this is way too confining a premise. Let's just make it the Emperor's New Groove sitcom and we'll use school when it's worth using. Yeah. And where was I? Oh. Who wants to draw desks anyway? So Cusco, um, but Cusco um, is so confident that Molina didn't cheat um, that he's going to use a potato purity tester that he gives to Mr. Monglaco. But then the statue crushes the potato, but it turns out it's just the foot. And Cusco, I, li- I like the joke where Cusco's like, uh, yeah, that, that scene was cut for time, but I'm actually going to go back and show you it because it's pretty funny. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> he, he, te- he says, you're wondering what happened in the statue. That scene had to be cut for time. Then he just goes back and shows you the scene that was cut for time. He <laughs> even had a D- uh, <laughs> DVD menu scene selection screen. Yes, if, if there I was you anything that that came from a writer's room uh discussion or something like I, I bet you anything that came from a writing writing room uh, argument where it's like we should cut this no it's too funny but also <laughs> like a joke about how we don't want to how, how we how we feel like we have to cut it but then just show it anyway i i suspect what might have happened is they realized the episode was actually running short so they were <laughs> like we will pad this out with an explanation that we had to cut it and then just show like rather than just showing the scene we will add an additional full minute explaining why we don't have time to show this scene yeah Uh, Um, that's that actually might be it i think that's that's that sounds right that's pretty funny (laughs) although uh something we brush past is when melina's deciding to cheat uh she is tempted to cheat by both her shoulder angel and her shoulder team and they they are (laughs) they, they are both pro cheating so the uh morality of this episode like this episode explicitly states that the morality of it is stating sometimes cheating works but still don't do it kids um i i have not seen uh, a whole lot of the series do they eventually give every character a shoulder angel and demon or that i mean i'm not surprised by that it was a beloved gag in the film for a reason (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it still works no matter how many times. It does conf- bring some confusion as to why in the movie the other characters don't know what... I mean, Yzma never gets any, but everyone else is like... And even in the series, early on in the series, I think in the same episode even, Cusco's uh, Kus- one. everyone's wondering why Kronk's shoulder angel... Why he's talking to them because they can't see them. And then later they show up on Cusco's shoulder. And Cusco knows... You can't imagine why Yzma didn't have a shoulder angel. <laughs> with other characters not understanding what Kronk's doing I think we all have those behaviors those peculiarities that we do while we're alone but if we saw anyone else doing them we'd think they were kind of weird so yeah. Yeah, I, feel that. And I just assume that everyone has seen the movie in the show at this point <laughs> Cusco made them all watch the movie well, so that's kind of that's like how um, you notice in the the Marvel, sh- the Marvel um, shows and movies, everyone's like, yeah, this is what happened then during that. I'm like, so you know the exact beat by beat of like what happened during that battle? Well, like, who was but, filming like, that? With uh, Darcy and Vision. Uh, yeah. Cusco <laughs> <laughs> Vision. <laughs> so. Cusco Vision. It was easy all along. Yeah, they, they had they had five years to gather the information and and build an build a an idea of 
what happened beat by beat is well but the battle the battle happened like two weeks ago as um as or maybe a little more than two weeks ago actually wasn't it like two weeks ago in wandavision i don't know um so like two weeks ago the episode ends with Mr. Malaguaco saying that the, the potato tastes good at rewarding Melina anyways. And Cusco's like, sweet, you cheated and you just got away with it. And Melina's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's like, no, that, that, that I, that's, not, I, that's not my thing. It's not like we don't use rocks to make whatever we need to anyway. Like when we're, when we're grinding avocados for guacamole. And- yeah. But mashed potatoes need to be cooked. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it was a... Add, like, milk and sour cream. It's, it's just South American sun. I guess. Maybe the spell made the statue foot, like, really heated so that it instantly cooked it while it smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, possible, I guess. And then Cusco's like, you're right, but he thinks it's boring, so he... Changes the channel to the dining room. And this is the best, in my opinion, one of the best parts of the episode. Um, <laughs> he changes the channel to a documentary about dinosaurs and the time machine MB3 player invisibility ray from earlier shows up and the disco is what causes the extinction of the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, the disco sucks jokes. Yeah. Up amazingly. <laughs> yeah, I think well, the di- the, the 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 disco sucks jokes. I think someone else summed it up pretty pretty uh, nicely. A lot of that just had to do with a lot of homophobia, honestly. Yeah, it's not. Yes, I I I don't uh, I don't think the writers of this show in particular were being homophobic by no, latching on to the trope. <laughs> overall, it's it's some some uh, cultural tropes started from an uncomfortable place, and it, it's, people just it's people the just roots went were so buried yeah. by. The very, very long flower stalks. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and and at this point, it's basically just, this is the general consensus, so we will make a joke alongside the general consensus without really examining why it's the general consensus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, that, but then, you know... I feel like disco-style music has really made a comeback in mm-hmm. recent years. I don't have a problem with disco. I was just amused by the absurdity of it killing the dinosaur. Oh, yeah, no, it's very funny. <laughs> Well, well, and even among the staff of this show, Danny Jacob would go on to write Disco Miniature Golfing Queen. So. Oh, yes. Which we're stuck way into the next episode. I believe the pers- we were going to have another guest on this episode, um, but the scheduling couldn't work out. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Laura Dickinson, who, has, who uh, uh, sang that song that David just mentioned and also got her first job uh, working on the song in this episode, uh, the next yes. segment. Kronk for Hire, or Room for Improvement. It should, room for episode, Improvement, which everyone just knows is the episode with Kronk for Hire. The episode should just be called Kronk for Hire, because that's the the hook of the episode, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they... I, I don't know why, because... So this is the first episode of the series that has Pacha being played by John Goodman in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Fred Katashore was him in the first season. Hi, my name oh, is man. Ralph, and I'm the king. <laughs> so, so it's all. And we nice just people. had the season finale of Monsters at Work, which is a, a series where he also reprises a uh, Disney movie role. That also had Curtis Armstrong in, at least in the first episode. <laughs> and he yeah. also came. Pl- he came back to play Dan Connor in uh, 
Roseanne, I mean, the Connors, even though well, he died in like the last, well, he, he actually, no, he didn't just die in the last episode, but the last couple of seasons, wasn't she making that a whole thing up? It was like in the original run, it's like in the last episode, it was revealed that the whole final season was a story she was writing and Dan was What's already that? dead. Why, and, why did they make that decision? Because I, I don't know. I, like, I have not. I've not read the details of why they made that decision. That's like a reverse Dallas situation. It, yeah, it was. It was like a reverse Dallas, or like maybe they were going for like a Saint Elsewhere thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, then when they brought Roseanne back, they just started with, "Yeah, we're all still around." And there was a joke about Roseanne oh, being like, "Damn, I thought them. you were dead." Yes. <laughs> well, well, and then well, first, they and then they killed Roseanne. Like, yes. That, that, then they had a reversal, so there are all these variant timelines of the Rosannaverse where different characters are alive and dead. Yeah. So obviously, like this with, is the, all with the youngest small. child, Jerry Garcia Connor, who is like, who was off somewhere, now doesn't exist. Well, and and then there's the daughter who is sometimes Sarah Chalk, but usually isn't. So, and, and then they settled on a face and threw her other face into another character. Yeah. yeah. And they took her the face. one universe where she's a cow. I've been yes, well. a cow. Can I go home? Yes, you're excused. Um, it's all tied back. To, all tied back together. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's all come together. Um. <laughs> so Cusco's being a jerk, basically, which is kind of his thing. <laughs> he's he's yearning for his for his castle again. Yeah, but he's obviously still hasn't fulfilled what he needs to so he's complaining about living with Pata's family again yeah. and Chaka now and he's sick of the kids yeah and, and to be honest I wouldn't have gone about it the same way but having to deal with uh-huh, 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 all the time I can kind of understand being sick of the kids do you guys see that Emperor's New Groove recap cartoon where, yeah. like, every time that Chaka and Tifo are on screen, it's just like the two of them are like just just vibrating, like like like, eh! mm-hmm. yeah. they're just arguing constantly. You mean the one where 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 Cusco keeps dan- dancing to his to theme song at random? Yes, moments? yes, yes, that one. The one from the same guy that made like a, a bunch of other ones, including like Madagascar, where he had to re-upload it without a, an extended sequence of uh, Mort making out with King Julian's feet because reasons. Uh, I could do. I. I. I'm. I'm not pro censorship, but I'm okay that I didn't have to see that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. They get in an argument, and Cusco decides he's going to try to give away Chaka and Tipo for free. So he puts them <laughs> outside with a sign that says "Free Kids," and Kronk ha- happens oh, upon him. Like, well, well, free kids. Wait, aren't you Pacha's kids? And then they explain uh, that Cusco kicked them out because he doesn't feel like he has enough room. And then Kronk. Uh, talks about how they need Kronk for hire and that that's when the song happens which um as we touched uh hinted at or so earlier mm-hmm. Kronk for hire um eventually became a recurring instrumental song in throughout the entirety i mean not every episode but a lot throughout the entirety of Phineas and Ferb basically um, if it's not the dun 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 
Yeah, it's whenever you like hear this, you're like Meeps carbonated goulash, and you hear that's Kronk for Hire. It's just the perfect commercial jingle music. Like Danny Jacob knocked it out of the park, and he was like, "Well, I'm not going to top this, so I'll just keep reusing it whenever it's necessary." Yeah, that's why. Because of course, the the I think the first time any of us probably saw uh, or realized this was when we were looking on the Phineas and Ferb wiki. I'm like, "Why does this say Kronk for Hire?" I was looking up. <laughs> I was re- legitimately just curious. Uh, looking for connections between Phineas and Ferb and the Emperor's New School, not expecting to actually find any. <laughs> <laughs> and you found the jackpot. Okay, sure. the jackpot. A staff member here, a staff member there. Lots yeah, of staff maybe. members, really. Yeah, and I, and then I, on the Disney wiki, is Finney, uh, a song from the Emperor's New School is on the Phineas and Ferb wiki because it's in Phineas and Ferb. And I was like, my God, I did I did not realize this. I thought <laughs> I thought it was just they both had running gags a lot. <laughs> I am I am trying to remember. Did the Kronk for Hire instrumental it must have also shown up on Milo, right? But I can't oh, remember I'm sure specifically. It did. Yeah. I'm sure it did. Um, and of course, most recently it has shown up in the musical without a cool acronym, because of course it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um where they reference Milo during that scene because it's when Phineas is pitching different inventions for the day. Yeah. And <laughs> the Kronk for Hire is basically like a home improvement show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And at the Kronk, end, it's not I, a step ahead, but at the end, they, they do a whole thing with Extreme Makeover Home Edition, basically. Yeah. Which, that was a show back in the day. With yeah. Phineas and Ferb, we're on. <laughs> Ship. <laughs> and... Um, because if, if, if anyone can top high Pennington's energy, it's Phineas. I've noticed this is a recurring thing in like the Emperor's New School songs, which again, most of which were all written by Danny Jacob, that they just come up with all these ran- uh, seemingly random things that rhyme just to make it rhyme. Like he's mentioning like uh, all these uh, like polishing your latrine or po- cleaning your latrine and polishing your figurines. Sorting all your tangerines and color coat your jelly beans or something. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. And sometimes they'll, they're, there's one song I don't, that the song is just about a superhero, a superhero character. And it's, his song is I Am, that the name of the character, I Like to Fight with Stuff. Um, <laughs> which is, I believe that's the next episode, which I'm, uh, the next episode um, after this one. So then uh, Kronk does, uh, works to fix up their house, and it turns out it's another Yzma scheme, and Yzma is there. He has what seems to be uh, a flashback of Yzma telling him what the plan is. And then, it turn- and then it turns out she's there, and the thought bubble that she appeared in is a cloud on a stick that was behind her in the basement. And she's like, <laughs> what is this? One of my favorite things about this show is that it just does not have a fourth wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that gag, like that was very similar to uh in the in the movie Top Secret, where uh Val Kilmer is reading what you think is the note from his agent and you hear his voice all echoey, but then it turns out that the agent's like standing right next to him just speaking through a megaphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's uh, kind of uh, like an across the second dimension where Perry sees the vision of monogram where he's like, remember, if your cover is blown, you'll never see the boys again. Yes, and yes, never see watch, the boys. Never see them again. Yeah. <laughs> um, Milo Murphy's law, which we were talking about earlier, has some non-staff related, just like coincidental connections, I've noticed to the Emperor's New School. They're both shows um, that have lots of mentions of llamas in them. Um, sure. <laughs> which seems to be a Disney a Disney television animation thing in general that you have to mention llamas at least once. <laughs> the llama sweater for uh, for Pacifica? Yeah, Pacifica. Yeah, Pacifica, yeah and Pacifica, it, she's a uh, um, uh, rich, uh, mean person who has to go through an arc and then um, her new friend gives her an article of clothing with a, with a llama on it. That was something <laughs> I noticed <laughs> Um, also, uh, the love interest who's a perfectionist was like a red hair band, which is a very oddly specific thing <laughs> <laughs> and similar hairstyle, I guess. Um, so then, um, Cusco, uh, geez, what am, what am I trying to say? Um, there's what well, I. It, it's really great because, like, the plot is that Yzma wants Kronk to do this for diabolical reasons, but Kronk is such a conscientious worker that he's like, yeah, yeah, but this, uh, this, this room really needs a lot of work, and, and like, like, like yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to your thing too, but I actually need to take this job seriously. I, I, I do need to do this because it really needs to be done. He's kind of like, like the Kronk is just the best, honestly. Well, I love if this document was so important, why was it? In Pocket's house, when it should have been in the palace, guarded by and <laughs> secured, and I don't know. I don't trust. I don't trust it. It should have been cares. in the basement of City Hall. Um, yes, I'm the, thinking of the one episode of uh, of Phineas and Ferb where uh, Doof has the exact same plot where he has to change the the name on the deed of the tri-state area. Or not even changing the name, I think. I think it was just whoever is holding yeah. the deed uh, yeah. controls the tri-state area, which is like, that's very oddly specific. Yeah. Well, and, is- and and again, it's, it, it's like uh, Gideon getting the deed to the mystery shack, making him the owner. It, it, it's like in, in the Disney Channel animated universe, all you have to do is have possession the of the contract to be in control of the contract. Yeah, you specifically <laughs> want to change the name on Cusco's emperor permit, which I didn't, which apparently is a thing in this universe. Um, <laughs> Paperwork is really just a game of capture the flag, kids. Um, yeah. And she wants to become empress uh, so she can open a skate park. Um, which, what? Where did that one come from? <laughs> well, it came from the skate park committee. It does It does feel kind of like a, a... I don't know if this is intentional, because generally the idea is just Yzma's plans are ridiculous, but it does seem, in a way, similar to Cuscotopia. Um, <laughs> oh yes, but Isma on a skateboard. She's gonna, she's gonna <laughs> fall and break everything she has. I don't know. She's pretty agile. Um, <laughs> well, and she, I guess she has already been crushed countless times, including in the past episode. So yeah. Um, so I, we get to a point where they're fighting, and then they decide they're gonna flip a coin. So Cusco flips the Cuscoin and calls heads because the head on the Cuscoin, as the name would imply, is his face. 
Um, and it starts going slowly. And then um, Chicha says, next time, don't use the slow motion coin. Yeah. <laughs> there were mentions. Which, which was not only slow motion, but turned out to be um, double-headed. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There were mentions of Coos coins in both of these episodes. And all I could think was, man, everybody's getting into crypto. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be what the modern oh the, absolutely there the new the, the modern groove story there'd be a story about Cusco getting into NFTs. crypto um, yeah. he's exactly the kind of jerk who would he's like oh yeah you, you can for you can get a picture of my face got <laughs> it currency cryptozoology <laughs> all the crypto God, Elon Musk wants to be Cusco so bad. It's it's like so then, his great his greatest aspiration is to be that um, self centered. Also, I, I think we've probably already brought this up, but um, I I, I can't hear Chicha's voice anymore without hearing Eda the yeah. Owl Lady. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, she was also on. Uh, she was on BoJack Horseman. I do believe she was. Yep, and she was beautiful, gorgeous. I and when. When American Dragon hit uh, Disney Plus earlier this year, there was um, an episode with um, with Malik as some sort of I think it was an aunt on her father's on his father's side. Mm. Oh yeah, I do vaguely remember. And I couldn't stop hearing it either. Um, yeah. Funnily, and, and 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 I'm just like, remember when she was on a couple episodes of Frasier? <laughs> but you know what the funniest well, thing she well here's a couple funny things she was on she was on just shoot me which at one with one, David episode, <laughs> one episode had both Cusco's in it um, <laughs> so and, that was really interesting because there was an um, episode where they were at like even a murder mystery of party or Tom something Penny in it I I remember from watching and and one of the people at the murder mystery party was J P Manu who is the voice of Cusco in everything but the two movies. Um, I, I was introduced to Wendy Malick um, uh, more properly by her being a Bond girl, basically beautiful, gorgeous from Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, I was introduced <laughs> to her, I think, through probably The Emperor's New Groove, unless I saw something with her earlier that I don't remember. Um, I mean, technically, I, I remember being introduced to Eartha Kit through The Emperor's New Groove, but I was actually introduced to Eartha Kit through uh, Harriet the Spy, so... I could have been. Wait, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I saw. I'm, I'm sure. I saw Emperor's New Groove before I saw uh, Rescue Jet Fusion. But but Keisha's uh, role in the movie was so much more minor that it probably went. That it probably. I probably didn't remember it as do, well. So. Do you remember the series The X's for on Nickelodeon? Oh yes. Wendy Malick was the mom in that. Do you know who the dad was? Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton. <laughs> So that was really weird. <laughs> I like how half of this episode is just us talking about this is other stuff that these people have been in. Well, isn't that what every podcast does? <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, um, get that out on Escape from Vulcan. So Cusco wins. Uh, it lands on heads. Um, he he some he he sees them going away and it's all sad because they have his hobo stick. Um, then he sees them leading away again. He's like, no. And he tells them that he'll be fine in the basement. And he confesses that he used a double-sided who's going to cheat. Which means, um, obviously, which, he didn't learn his lesson from the last episode because they, <laughs> they said he didn't learn his le lesson. I was going to say, episode. it is interesting that 
he didn't learn the lesson, but it is interesting that both episodes have involved cheating at some point. And, like, and there, was, there was also a point where um, Kuzco was saying about all this trash he picked up, including a car from the uh, from Eastman's roller coaster. coaster. Yeah. And he came, he, he knew he basically called Melina trash, so he had, had to say no, she was just standing nearby. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they decided to do that, but a little uh little possessive there, which is not out of character, but uh yeah. may- maybe not the uh best message for children in terms of uh, how to enter a consenting adult relationship. Yeah. He he also called her a weirdo <laughs> for being the slightest bit competitive. <laughs> That's less. I mean, that's not great, but that's less problematic <laughs> yeah. also, to me than the about, <laughs> Can we talk about why, um, what was Miley Cyrus's character's name again? Yada. Yada. So Yada is a vegetarian. Why is she working in a place called Monkey's Meat Hut? To make money. <laughs> to make money. Why does anyone work? Yeah. Beca- oh. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's you take the jobs you can get. Yeah. And if, and if, and if, and if, if she is, if it, my headcanon is true, which We'll never know now, I guess, sadly. <laughs> and she is related to the waitress from the movie. It could just be a family tradition to work. Well, she says it's a family tradition in another episode to work at, even though she never mentions explicitly that character, that her fam- her every generation of her family has been a waitress at Mudka's. Her Mata, her grandmother, her unfortunately named Uncle Mata. Um, oh, well, then there you go. Um, and... It's a legacy hire. Yeah, and there's an episode, the musical episode of the series, um, which has a lot of songs in it. Um, she auditions for the musical, and she sings terribly, so they reject her. <laughs> and she was heavily uh, used in that in the promotion of that episode. I think it's the last. I think it's the last episode I remember. Yeah, the it, uh, it's the I think if it were coming out today, you would refer to. It as the mid-season finale, so it's like the middle of the second season, and mm. it's, but they didn't do mid-season finales back then. <laughs> well, they did. It, yeah, the show did get a proper season finale at the end, but um, yeah, but they didn't do like a mid-season finale. No, but this is like, what where it in, in yeah. place in the season where that would right. be because the second mm-hmm. season is much longer than the, is a bit like ten episodes longer than the first season is. Yeah, um, it got. It, Got kind of a um, a Lilo and Stitch the series kind of split. I think Lilo and Stitch was like twenty six and thirty nine. Yeah, Lilo and Stitch had more in in the grand scheme of things, and it also had four movies, including the first one. Um, oh yeah, two, I still need to cover Lilo and Stitch the series, don't and I? two other TV shows. So Lilo and Stitch, like I don't get people who say Lilo and Stitch is underrated. Unless you mean it's not represented as much as it used to be in the parks, in which case, I mean, when they tried, they, they still have angel plushies. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. I I like Angel as a, I mean, okay as a character, she's not the best um, love interest, but it does annoy me that that's the only DTVA spinoff that ever gets any merchandise <laughs> anymore is Lilo and Stitch. I could see a case. I could see people making a case that the 
original movie Lilo and Stitch is underrated, but the character of Stitch is certainly yeah. certainly continues to be overexposed. Yeah. Well, see, my biggest problem I with love the, the character movie. of Stitch and things that aren't the movie is that he's portrayed all wrong for the most part, with the exception of, uh, I think, the Tiki Room in um, Tokyo, where I think they actually did a good job. He's not like... Because they try to have their cake and eat it too, where it's like, oh, he's the mischievous Stitch that hasn't met Lilo yet. But it's like, okay, that Stitch wasn't mischievous. That Stitch was a straight-up monster that probably killed a man or several. And he and he calls himself Stitch. Which Stitch makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Which makes no sense. I don't. I still don't know if I'm ever actually going to make my uh, video about Stitch's Great Escape, but because at this point, it's it's been closed for so long that I'm like, I, I might, don't know if it's still relevant. I might make it. <laughs> If I do end up making that, yeah, you'll you'll hear my thoughts on that. If um, not, you know, so. I was a completer, so I had to do it, even though I knew it was bad. Um, I think I've done it a couple times. Once it had no people waiting in line, so I just was like, I just not, I've done everything else. I might as well do this. Well, what's hilarious is that as a cast member, that whole area is just a lunchroom now. Like it's literally just a, a, a cast member break area. Best use for whatever reason, they leave the doors of the chambers open, so you can go in there and sit there if you want if you're working. And you can eat your chili dog that you're not supposed to be eating in there in the actual show, but a character has it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but going to yeah. the trouble of getting a chili dog and like like heating up the hot dog and heating up the chili for lunch separately, it's too much work. I, I, I would. Um, yeah. But we should probably. <laughs> get back to the subject um, yes yes we so 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 we we've talked a bit about how danny jacob crafted this perfect this this perfect commercial jingle so much that he used it so many other times and it was great hearing it in its original context but all i could think was imagine just the slightly parallel dimension where the musical tone of this whole franchise was still defined by Sting. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, they would have locked locked him in a serious contract if that was... Like, you're going to do all the songs for all spin-off material. (laughs) I don't... I don't think they would have gotten him back for the show, but I think the composers for the show would have had to do songs that sounded like Sting's songs. I don't yeah. know, but I don't. There were some songs in the Little Mermaid series. I don't remember how Alan Minkini or Howard Ashmany they sounded because I haven't heard them in ages. I know in the Tangle series, Alan Minkin actually has done the music for it. So, because mm-hmm. um, yes, they got cause... him back to Galavan first, so, so shake, they could use him on television. Yeah, and um, then uh, Isma asks so. Cusco ends up living in the basement, which has been refurbished to be nice. And this is another point um, that I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is like the first and maybe one of like the few only ma- major, not particularly major, but like status quo-ish changes in the series because mm-hmm. that basement stays there and Cus- I'm pretty sure Cusco stays living in it. It definitely comes back in other episodes. Because um, we designed it to well use the backgrounds. Yeah. It's yeah. easier... Sorry. Um, it's easier for a show to get away with a shift in status quo in the season finale or premiere. Yeah. Like that, that's where even a show that usually uh, resets its status quo every episode, like when you're having a major shift in season, that's when you can announce, okay, this is where the continuity is changing. 
Yeah, they did. They did actually have a, a major status quo change in the last episode. In not even in the episode itself, but in the epilogue over the credits. <laughs> uh, like, I I still can't believe that uh, I got a hot room. The iCarly episode is the start of the back third the back third of the series. There, yeah. There's only like 34 episodes. After yeah. the, after what's on Netflix. Oh yeah, isn't that the one where like Spencer sets her room on fire because he builds a gummy bear lamp? Yeah. And I'm sorry, uh, I haven't watched this. So I have no idea. They, they, I don't remember that. I don't even know, honestly. Like, um, because it was a pretty heavily promoted episode. Well, and because that how could I forget something like a gummy season. bear lamp? But yeah, I remember they did promote it, so that's how mm. I remember it. So Yuzma comes to Kronk asking where the Emperor's per- or Later, we see in the lab her asking where the Amber's permit is. Kronk's like, oh, I, uh, I threw it away. <laughs> so then she has and to sort through the garbage and um, spooky eyes pop up. And then during the credits, Kronk makes over the secret lab. And, and they... And the owl eyes pop up and one of them is actually Hootie. Uh, oh, hi! <laughs> and to tie it back to Yada... Um, the for the final season of Hannah Montana, where um, they move, they move in the third season finale, to, right? Uh, like a, the ranch house. That's only a thirteen episode season. Why did they do that? Were they like, we need a new house because we're going out big? Like, I think that the original house didn't work well in HD because Hannah Montana uh... Forever is the only HD season. Yeah. The, it's interesting, um, in the case of the Emperor's New School, it's kind of more of, aside from the couple of things I mentioned, it's a uh, Simpsons type. So they'll have references to previous characters and things that happened as like mm. Easter eggs for people who are paying attention, but there's never like, usually, there's no major arcs. It's not like Gravity Falls or anything. It's a floating <laughs> timeline and a floating continuity. I mean, not so much as the Simpsons where... It's it's always going to be like that because everything's fluid because you know it, it's been going on for so long that flashbacks that we see you know would make no sense now. Someone on Twitter posted a clip from the one where that where it took place in the nineties, and there's a kid at the store or at a restaurant with a Bart Simpson shirt on it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the it's all and that floating timeline is also becoming a problem for the X-Men with uh, Mag- with uh, Magneto being a Holocaust survivor it getting to 80 years later. Oh, sure. Why, this is why you just don't, like, I mean, it depends on how dedicated you are, but, like, I have a rule in my cartoon that I don't specifically mention or have dedicated episodes or things to characters' birthdays or anything, so we ne- I never have to reset things. <laughs> You guys see where Alex Hirsch posted? Because um, someone was like, "Didn't Mabel are uh, are twenty two now?" And he's like, "No, if you start the show, they're twelve, and you get to the last episode, they're thirteen. They're never they, they've never been alive, so they can never die." <laughs> well, I mean, I'm yeah. like, I'm just picturing, I'm like, I just pictured that that one scene um, where um, in, in the in the episode where Mabel gives Stan the truth teeth. Where Stan's like, is this all that there is? And and Dipper and Mabel were just like freaking out after what he said. <laughs> yeah. Well, the advantage of uh, 
of the Emperor's new franchise is that it's uh, kind of a period piece in an undeterminate in an in an indeterminate time to begin with. So, yeah. mm-hmm. like characters don't need to age because, at, at um, as far as I know, they never really specify what year any of this takes place. No, just that it's ah. supposed to be an Inca esque time period. Um, they they mention Incas a few times. It takes place in past, but it, also it, there's the village. It but also place, with, with with disco MP3 players. It takes place yeah. in the past, but not only are there anachronisms, but the characters address the audience, so they must also exist now. <laughs> it takes place in cartoon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I think that's what's so great about it, is it really does just, you know, stretch Especially that. every time people are like, oh, the, all these things in the Emperor's New School don't make sense. It was like, um, yeah, remember that time in the Emperor's New Groove? Where Yzma and Kronk got back to the palace before, and Kronk mm-hmm. pulled down, like, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. That's basically the entire premise of the it's franchise. The show. It's just a bunch of fun, you know, silly gags, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the Emperor's New Groove itself actually has a very solid structure, but yeah. <laughs> you can't really, it's harder to do that, especially in the mid 2000s with a TV series. Yeah, if if you're complaining about something not making sense, it's probably that, like, for whatever reason, the humor just didn't connect with you, and you're just latching on to whatever you can grasp onto, which is something that's also true of the parts of the franchise you like. You just can't pinpoint what's actually bothering you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that that's a that's a good and accurate uh, statement, I think. Um, because, and I think that. A lot of people were bothered by uh, the repetitiveness, which is still there in the second season, but I feel like... It's so formulaic. Yeah, the formula is just a structure to hang gags on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, In the second season, they have a, more, a little more freedom, I feel like, than they do in the first season, where the first season is a lot more heavy, remember this, um, vibes. Like, this one had the, um, the, the argument, and I think that was all that was directly lifted from the movie that I remember not counting characters or locations, which I don't think, I think if they didn't use them would be a problem. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously still, I say the same thing about the shoulder angel and devil. I view them or I view those as care extensions of the characters. Oh yeah, absolutely. The repetitive reusing them doesn't bother me. Like it does some people. Um, well, and it's also, like, giving everyone shoulder angels and devils is kind of a prototype of the uh, the whole end of Inside Out, where everybody's got the same internal uh, yeah. emotions controlling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, except less depressing. Shape <laughs> yeah. Um, I like Inside Out, but that movie really screwed me up for, like, a good day after I watched it. That's fair. Um, so, yeah. Uh... What all and do you since think we're is- at the um, end credits, we could probably go back and talk about the intro, which now ha- which has been updated for the season. Oh yeah, the intro. I for- I always forget the intro. Also, apparently in the Halloween episode, they had a slightly different intro. It was this the same song, but the clips they showed were different. Yeah, the intro has different clips now, which I always forget that they did that because it, as much as I love the show, I haven't ever binged both seasons in a single day, so I d- didn't recognize until i found on youtube two different videos of the different versions there is oh yeah they are different in each season aren't they and the- it's not in entirely 
yeah, Prince, there's still there's still Zim and Zam lasering Kuzco down, but and then he's just like everything from uh, he's royal, he's royal, we'll help him against the foil. Yeah, that's all the same. But there's still a good, but there's even a new Patrick. There, there's a new group clip that even includes Pacha in there. Yeah, um, and the yeah the theme song different and at the intro and this is something that I. When I was first watching, I was like, well, that really only connects to the first segment, but now thinking about the second one, no, that connects to the second segment, too, where Cusco talks about how the episode is going to be about cheating. <laughs> and it turns out both episodes did have something to do with cheating. Um, so that that is clever, I guess, um, in retrospect. Cheating is, cheating is the theme of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every episode has some sort of lesson, but they don't ever, but they never take it too seriously. Um it was very uh, a friend is someone who believes in you and and helps you achieve your goals i I was gonna say exactly that it's very billy west at the beginning of the weird al show like like just just explicitly stating the lesson because you know the network demands that you make it clearer yeah the network demands it this show got a lot of complaints like oh it's not education it's like it doesn't need to be and I see people saying uh, kids are going to get a bad idea from Kuzco. It's like, I'm pretty sure the sh- as far- I was a kid when the show came out. And I had a pretty good understanding that Kuzco was a jerk and you weren't supposed to be thinking he was in the right. <laughs> you, yeah. gen- generally, there's consequences for um, Cusco whenever he is a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. That's Kids are smarter than... Mm-hmm. It's what it's what Dan and Swampy always say. Kids are way smarter than anyone gives them credit for. These groups of moral guardians think they are. That's why, uh, honestly, the best kid shows are just as funny if you're an adult because they're written by adults who also, you know, are funny people who want to make each other laugh. That's how good shows like this get made. Yeah, it, especially uh, if if they're going to, like. If they're going to be making TikToks and YouTube videos and there's and even or just helping out their older siblings making this content, they're going yeah. to learn and be. I learned some things. I did learn something. Like I learned what a haiku was from this show. <laughs> like with uh it's the random with, uh, little Steve's, thing. Um Steve's message, um his like uh, Steve from Booth Cruise, his message today on. Oh, you mean where he, where he told me I he he told me I was attractive. <laughs> uh, I I took it as he. It wasn't him explaining wh- where he went, obviously. But um, well, I mean, he left because he was going bald. That's what he said in that one documentary. Like. Kids know that um, college students visit occasionally. They they don't stay at college forever. Thank God. So it wasn't. <laughs> so it was. It I, was I concur with that. Thank God. But <laughs> like, it was the kids not understanding. Why didn't he come to visit? Yeah, I thought he did a couple times, didn't he? I think he had a few cross. Crossovers. It clearly wasn't quick enough for the kids who watched him leave I mean, to I, remember that he came back. It would, 
if if Infinity War counts as a crossover, Steve and Joe meeting up should count as a crossover. No, it, well, the thing is... The, or like the different hosts of MSC3K. That's kind of what I yeah. think is being similar to Blue's Clues. Yeah. Steve, Steve, Joe, and Josh managed to do what Joel, Mike, and Jonah couldn't do until Emily came along. <laughs> yeah. And even then, Mike isn't even there yet. Yeah. And which one of them is Mayor Dewey? Joel. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Mayor Dewey. Um. If you're wondering how he eats and breathes and other science facts, just repeat to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. Yeah, and that's what I try. That's my also my what I say about this show. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, so that was the, the the episode. What did you all think of the segments? Oh, I liked it. <laughs> I think especially the second one is really fun. Is it? it I, I think they're both kind of a, kind of proto Phineas and Ferb episodes in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could see a lot of the same sensibilities. It it. it felt very much like a transition between the sensibilities of the movie to the sensibilities of the shows that these writers would go on to work on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, I don't think these episodes were quite as funny as either the original movie or most episodes of Phineas and Ferb, (laughs) possibly because they were kind of trapped between these two worlds of not being able to do not being able to find their own voices yet, but also, uh, you know, trying to emulate the voice of this iconic movie, but also trying to forge their own path and kind of being trapped between those two worlds. Yeah. Um, but I'm also comparing them to like two of the highest bars imaginable when, yeah. when yeah. I say that. So <laughs> the fact that this isn't quite as good as one of the funniest Disney movies ever made or one of the funniest Disney TV shows ever made. It was still very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, honestly, I uh, I would love to see them bring back these characters now and have it in a, like, still try... One idea I came up with is what if they did shorts, like, with the Mickey yeah. Mouse people? I don't see I why they would do shorts. They're doing shorts for, like, everything else. Heck, yeah, like, we're doing those chibi tiny tail shorts that are like these insane crossovers between like five different shows now. Well, they, did you see mm-hmm. the Did you see the Descendants one that had the extract of? Although two of them, two of them are done now, and I mean, okay, yeah. Um, but also, it's like yeah. it seems like every month they're announcing a new Disney Plus. Like, here's a very small spinoff of a movie you loved, and it does seem like there's some way. Like, there's definitely room for them to do something new that doesn't have to be like a whole new movie or doesn't have to fit a traditional television format. I see, I see no reason why they couldn't do some shorts. Honestly. That's the key. Mm-hmm. I think the changing things up and finding different outlets is the key to a long lasting franchise, in my opinion. Um, and, and really it, it doesn't matter whether, um, whether you bring in, um, but writers who are, who were part of it before or new ones because it's not like you transferred all the writers from the movie to the series. Yeah, right. No, they they should just hire me. <laughs> ah. 
I, I don't sort of I, like I, what I, all of us were saying in the MWC podcast. Well, when they rebooted, it should obviously just be us doing it. <laughs> well, I was gonna what? Sorry, what you did what on? <laughs> Oh, on the on the MWCA podcast, we were all kind of like, well, who else is going to make the reboot in 10 years? And it's like, oh, probably us. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, if I, if I, if I, in the imaginary world where I'm hired to create an Emperor's New Groove work, I would want other people to be involved. <laughs> I oh, well, not, yes, of course. I would not want to have the entire thing on me because, for one thing, I would know everything that's going to happen. And that's not as fun. Um, <laughs> And also, I don't think I'm that I'm I'm that skilled to come up with anything other than like the best. The best shows are a collaborative process. Yeah, jokes here and there. Um, it, it's very rare that you have something that you can truly point to as no, this was one person's, which is good in my yeah. opinion, mm-hmm. <laughs> because if well, one the- person has control of too much things, that's a problem. <laughs> right. The 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 key is to have a showrunner with a clear vision, but also a very creative staff who can pitch like out their ideas. But as long as you have the central creative figure who knows how to use everyone else's ideas for the best. I think the Emperor's New School only had half of that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it had the second half. I do not think that there was a creative mind behind it all determined to create a cohesive vision because... Like, <laughs> Dindal wasn't interested in just moving to television for two years. <laughs> Dindal, Dindal, uh, like, you know, six years, <laughs> five, six years after the movie was final. Dindal was <laughs> friends with the executive producer that like greenlit it or something. So he was like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead, do this. You can do it. That's fine. I don't care." <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't opposed I, to it, but nor was he going to to. Uh, work day-to-day on it. Yeah, he, I, I, I get the sense that he was probably like, yeah, I'm done with this. Go for it. He was, cr- And then he made Chicken Little. <laughs> Technically, he made Chicken Little before this. but uh, um, Oh, Chicken Little. That's, I blend that all on, I, mostly on Eisner anyways. Um, Eisner! And, and he hasn't been able to get work since, and it's very sad. <laughs> Mark yeah. Dindle, not Michael Eisner. Obviously, Michael Eisner has gotten some work since then. <laughs> um, Has Mark Dindle really not done anything else since Chicken Little? He, there's been various projects that have ended up getting dropped right now. He's working on a Funko Pop movie, which oh, oh, Lord knows man. how that's going to turn out. And the gar- the new Garfield. I mean, at Garfield. least at least the bar is set in the basement after uh, the emoji after movie, the, uh, Bobblehead <laughs> movie. Oh yeah, bobbleheads. God, it's like okay. So we're making a we we made a bobbleheads movie. Now we have to make a Funko Pop specific movie. So it's like Funko Pop, Hydrox version, and then Funko Pop is the Oreo version. Well, Funko Pop is going to be a Warner Brothers movie. So what they're going to do is it's going to be all the different IPs Warner Brothers owns that have Funko Pops. So basically, it's just going to be the fucking Lego movie again. So like, what is the point of this? It's going to be Lego movie. Every movie Warner Brothers animated movie Warner Brothers has made for the Nickelodeon's ownership has been this Lego movie again. (laughs) Meanwhile, meanwhile, Playmobil's like nobody noticed that we already released a movie. Can we just make another one and pretend that first one didn't happen? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Daniel Radcliffe was in that for some reason. Who was in it? Daniel Radcliffe, of all people. Maybe they paid him. <laughs> it, it didn't require a lot of work, probably. <laughs> it, it, it's possible, but I, also I'm not sure. It, it feels like that whole thing was a money laundering scheme. I don't, I'm not convinced that was... I'm not convinced that there was an actual movie there, but I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't think anyone's seen it, so who knows? 
I always say this generally isn't what happens, but there's potential to make a movie out of anything. Um, and I think the Lego movie proves that. Um, oh, yeah. You can take so you anything. You have to have creative people who are willing to yeah. actually take what you have to the fullest potential. Like, yeah. okay, we are going to tell a story with this product that you have given to us. And so- sometimes that can be that can be really great, and other times it can lead to a mess like Food Fight, for example. Yeah. You know, food Fight, like, get destroyed, and then they remade it or something. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, that, yes. Food Fight really is, like, the 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 other end from the Lego movie of product oh, yeah. replacement animated films. Like, on the high end, you have, like, I don't even know if Roger Rabbit counts as a product placement film. It's, they're produ- pr- placing all these different cartoons from different companies. I'm not sure if that counts. Then you oh, have, like, that counts. I think that's, some, that's more of a Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It thing. Ralph. Um, and Whereas Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, that was a product placement. And Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is Wreck-It Ralph, but more Disney. <laughs> yeah. Wreck-It <laughs> Ralph without the other brands. Yeah. yeah. I think it, I think, and that's what's what scares me about the possibility of a Roger Rabbit sequel, which they're probably not going to do anyways. But if they did, it it's, would all just be stuff happen. There's Disney too, there's owns. Too many in my opi- uh, and I assume so. It would be like it would be like you see Mickey Mouse uh, interacting with like The Simpsons or some shit. <laughs> it, it would oh. it would be interesting to see what period they set it in. I in order to like because depending on when you set it, that's which studios you're walking out. Of invo- involvement. Yeah, can I can I can I uh, pitch to you, even though it's completely unrelated to the subject of this podcast? My idea of a I mean, Rabbit. we already breezed past the end of this episode like twenty five minutes ago, so it's not complete. It. It's not completely unrelated oh, yeah. because according to the Roger Rabbit DVD menu, Cusco exists in the Roger Rabbit world. Don't all the cartoon oh, yeah, so characters exist in the Roger Rabbit universe? <laughs> yes, but he specifically shows up on the DVD. Yes, menu. I know. He's in the DVD <laughs> menu. Um, this was talked about on the Escape from Walt Disney episode of the about the Embers group. I wonder if they'll be brought up in the Escape from Walt Disney episode when they inevitably cover Roger Rabbit again. <laughs> if they'll be like, oh, and random side note, Cusco's uh, canon in this universe. Um, but it's jump forward. It's not a period piece, and I know that would probably anger a lot of people. It's about the tomb struggling to find work when there's a new species, I guess, or whatever, of tune uh, called the CG. Um, ah. And it, and then stuff happens, and my initial idea was it's just Roger Rabbit gets framed again, but I think people that would make too many people angry because people don't want to see, oh, it's the same thing again. <laughs> but um, this time, the motivation that people frame him for would be uh, he's jealous of the cgs um and I, the idea i came up with it you know at the end of uh at the end of the first movie tinkerbell shows up and um uh, has her wand and this it ends with two tinkerbells doing it <laughs> the, the 2d one and the cgi one and the person who frames roger Rabbit in this movie would be michael eisner no mm-hmm. it was gonna be roger rabbit but the C- but an uncanny CGI version of Roger Rabbit frames the two oh, okay. Roger like Rabbit. Um, and then uh, at one point, Benny that the That was Cab just did- a joke about how Eisner killed 2D animation. Yeah, 
And then it, at, at one point, Ben, well, they, they could incorporate that too. Uh, Benny the Cab gets cut off by Lightning McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I need this to happen just to see Benny the Cab get cut off by Lightning McQueen. Yeah, um, I think that they're doing a similar premise for the Rescue Rangers movie to this idea. Um, so basically, the Rescue Rangers movie is like, well, we, we can't do a Roger Rabbit sequel, so we're just using Micah's idea to do this. No. <laughs> We're just coming up with what what could be a neat idea for Roger Rabbit sequel and applying it to these other characters, because um, it's going to be a hybrid and it's about two D and CGI and how that complicates the world of. And then piracy gets involved or something in the in the Rescue Rangers movie that Seth Rogen and. Um, Available on Disney Plus. Please don't pirate this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. Yeah. They have to um, rescue. Apparently, they have to rescue their friend from being pirated or something. It's like I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I don't. That's not how piracy works. I mean, it's fiction, eh. so they can they can make up whatever they want, I guess. But generally, I don't think the piracy has an effect on the characters. <laughs> yeah, it's Lonely Island. They'll make it come together. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, team to decide. Uh, Scott, did you have, did you say what you thought of the episode? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it was. I I hadn't, but yeah, I thought it was. It, it, it was a solid start. I. I think it, the second season is um, inherently mm-hmm. better than the first season, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. The, I think there's definitely more of a sense of okay, this is kind of you know, what we're doing, and, and we, we more or less know what feels we're feels like they had just the tiniest bit more creative freedom, more and that freedom can go, to do, that can I go will say that uh, Room for Improvement didn't seem like it was rising to a climax. It just kind of went along, and then... Yeah. It was yeah, just a sitcom I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it has. Yeah, there isn't. But it was just, just a sitcom something episode. I noticed. It, it was just, yeah, it was just a sitcom episode. It's just, again, it's a bunch of gags. So, um... Uh, it's time to do the pluggy thing. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. So I have a podcast called The Podcast Without a Cool Acronym, where I talk about Disney television animation. Um, I also took a road trip across the Midwest at the beginning of summer, and I have a whole series of vlogs coming from that. The first one of those is already out, and that's about my trip to Worlds of Fun with my good friend Jonathan Harm, and the rest of those are coming out sometime. Um, the, the next one should come out at some point, probably a week or so after I'm back from California, which I'm going to California a week from today as we're recording this. So, um, And... Um, Random note that doesn't really apply to anything plug-wise, but um, Dave and Zach from the MWCA and I will be having lunch with Laura Dickinson, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I so like I said, I also have a YouTube channel, Starport Nine Seven. I have a bunch of stuff on there, and I think that's all I got for plugs. I I'm I ha- my YouTube channel is primarily. Um, Reuploads with permission. At it's at my own name, Scott Sandler. My Twitter is at the Nick Fan Club. Uh, my Instagram is Scott Sandler ninety four. I'm a contributor on What's on Paramount Plus, 
Jake is on Twitter at, at pplusnews, and their website is paramountplusnews.blogspot.com. I've made about a dozen previous appearances on this podcast, including uh, uh, four of the last five episodes previous to this. Uh, I've made six appearances on Chandler's podcast. I've made um, two appearances on a mutual friend of ours podcast, Realm of Immersion, uh, covering... Camp Coral, an episode of The Muppet Show, and an upcoming appearance uh, covering Paranorman. For Ooh, nice. Spooky. And I gotta figure out what I'm covering for Halloween. I've <laughs> also made appearance. Uh, I made an appearance on an, a podcast called The Last Episode, where uh, we talked about Loki's first episode and uh, Agents of Shield. I've got an upcoming. Uh, I just appeared on a on an iCarly podcast, uh, a recent bonus episode on the, this podcast is called Spencer in the City, where we talked about uh, the the recent reboot, the first season of the reboot, and I was the one person who who uh, jumped in on, on the Twitter space to speak and give my opinion. Hmm. I've also got. Uh, a scheduled appearance on Because I've Lost Control of My Life, a Rugrats podcast covering uh, Grandpa's Date and Family Reunion. And that um, they're currently in the midst of a break, but we'll, I'll, I'll be getting on to it. And I've also entered discussions for appearances on uh, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, Channel KRT and Muppets Talking. And uh, all of my links are available at doggins.com, D-O-G-G-A-N-S. Uh, all of my YouTube and social media and everything are there on that landing page. And uh, you can also hear me on a bunch of other people's podcasts sometimes. And you can find me at Mike Hirsch on Twitter. I also make animated cartoons on YouTube through the channel Fireblast Studios. If you like my work and want to support me, you can pledge to the Fireblast Studios Patreon for early access to videos, behind the scenes footage, and more. When crunk for hire is on the job! Crunk for hire! Crunk for hire is not affiliated with Crunk for Lease.